When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Goldsevich. And now, here's Jay. Afternoon, and welcome to the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And it's another gorgeous day in the Pacific Northwest as we come to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And it's just one of those clear blue skies, 80 something degrees, 30% humidity, um, just drop dead gorgeous sort of Indian summer we're having here and technically it's not Indian summer because we didn't have a frost although it got down to 38 here in beautiful downtown Elmira the other morning but not quite down to a frost Um, but certainly seems like Indian summer right now here in the Pacific Northwest as we've got you know the least changing color on some of the maple trees out here and just drop dead gorgeous weather it's just one of those days where I, I would rather be outside and inside doing a radio show, but I like doing this radio show because it's one of the ways I get to talk to my constituents and folks of Lane County or anyone else out there across the world wide web uh, that is listening about whatever they want to talk about just by calling us at 646-721-9887 and just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire know you want to get in on the show. Again, that's 646-721-9887, and just press 1, and you can control the topic of the conversation here on the Bo's Nose Show. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about ballot measures here in Oregon, and uh, we'll uh, be going over each one in sequence. We've got five measures on the ballot. Uh, statewide here in Oregon, uh, a couple, three constitutional amendments, and one that was referred by the legislature, and a statutory change that was referred by the voters. Um, so it's going to be interesting um, in in working through all those because it, it it for me how much I support or oppose something somewhat depends on whether it's constitutional and going to be made permanent as part of the um, founding document for our government in this state, or if it's going to be statutory and can and can be fixed easily, you know, with with legislation. Um, so I always scrutinize constitutional amendments a little bit more seriously than I scrutinize a statutory. 
And uh, we'll be going through those uh, kind of uh, one by one here on the Bose Nose Show. And we're going to start out with Measure 102. And, of course, it, Measure 101 was already done in a special election last January. And don't get me started on, you know, running an election in January and costing the voters a whole bunch of money to run a special election rather than waiting until May when elections are normally run. But that was over and done with. So the numbering starting out at 102 for the November election, if that, if that com- doesn't confuse you enough. Uh, so we, that's kind of the way uh, Oregon ballot measures seem to get numbered in odd ways. Uh, but we have Measure 102, and that is a constitutional amendment to um, allow city governments and county governments to sell bonds for affordable housing in which they won't retain complete ownership. So that that's really, um, one, it's a constitutional amendment, and two, what it does is it lifts a current restriction where any sort of bond proceeds that are paid off using tax money for uh, local governments can't be spent on something that the government um, doesn't wholly own. You know, so that kind of limits the, you know, if you're going to use bond money for affordable housing, you have to completely own that affordable housing at the end of the construction. Uh, and uh, a lot of affordable housing is actually built and paid for with tax credits, which are actually, you know, the tax credits are owned by the folks that invest in them. Uh, and so it's kind of a, um, you know, they're trying to do this, and the city of Portland is the one that initiated this through the legislature, and it was referred by the legislature. Of course, you know, Portland has a lot of sway in the legislature because of the way they did the, the redistricting here in this state and made all these pie-shaped districts where the tip of the pie goes into the city of Portland and gets a lot of population there and kind of controls um, some rural areas outside of Portland with that tactic. Um, so there's a lot of Portland legislators, so whatever the port city of Portland wants seems to get through the legislature pretty easily. And uh, they're doing this because they want to mix funding of municipal bonds with tax credit uh, investor financing to build affordable housing. It just seems kind of like a little bit of a bad idea because what you're basically doing is, you know, because ultimately, you know, you hold those tax credits for a number of years and once they're paid down, that housing can be resold. So you're basically building housing with taxpayer funds through bonds, which could be, you know, 20-year bonds or something. And after 10 years of that, the tax credits, if they transfer ownership, you know, at that point, um, you know, the city could be more or less out of luck um, and have helped finance private investors' um, assets, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little wary of this one, although it's, it doesn't have any opposition worth talking about. The only opposition noted on this is, is there was a, um, 
uh, voter pamphlet statement by somebody called the Bike Party, as in B-I-K-E, <laughs> which I've never heard of before. Um, uh, and uh, their their issue about it is basically it's it's um, taking public money and putting it in the hands of private developers. Uh, and uh, I sort of have that same concern. My biggest concern is if you're going to go into debt, which is what bonding is for a municipality or county government, that debt should be to purchase public assets that last longer life than the debt. So if you're going to bond something, you bond something like a sewer line or a water um, treatment plant that's going to last 50 to 100 years and you pay for it with a 20-year bond. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the same reason you get a 30-year mortgage on a house that's going to kind of a lifetime of much longer than 30 years. You wouldn't get a 30-year mortgage to pay for, um, you know, a computer that will be obsolete in five years. You know, that, that's, yeah. Don't get me started on some of the school districts that have included computers in some of their school bonds, um, but that's, that's a whole different issue. So for me, Measure 102, besides being a constitutional amendment and wraps this issue of providing this exemption for affordable housing to bonding into our state constitution, um, really kind of opens the door to local governments going into debt to pay for something they're not going to own and could actually lose ownership of in less than the term of the bonds. So, you know, it's not like our local governments don't already hide a lot of their debt when they, with the unfunded liability of their retirement systems, um, which we've talked about PERS in the past. It's also um, an issue that now they, they want to also have the ability to go into more debt to pay for affordable housing, which they won't fully own. So that that's, that's a concern of mine. So... You know, as you think about Measure 102, just remember it's a constitutional amendment. It's asking for cities and counties and other um, municipal-style governments to be able to go into debt to build something that they won't fully own. Yes, we have a housing crisis, but this is not, you know, making bad financial policy isn't the way to solve the housing crisis. Figuring out why housing is so hard to build and so expensive to build and fixing those issues is a better way to go. Not, not providing um, a way for cities and counties to go into more debt to buy something they don't completely own. So that's just, you know, measure 102 for me, yeah, not quite seeing it, not quite feeling it there. So that's the Bo's nose take on that. If you think it's a good idea, don't forget, you can always give me a call at 646-721-9887. Just press 1 so we know we want you want to get on the conversation. So that brings us to Measure 103. And this is one that seems like, yeah, why wouldn't you say yes to a ban on grocery taxes? First thing, it's a constitutional amendment. So once again, the, the Bose nose test is if it's constitutional amendment, 
we'll, we have extra scrutiny and we're really careful about what we say yes to. You know, if in doubt on a constitutional amendment, vote no. <laughs> um, second, we don't have any taxes on groceries right now because we don't have a sales tax in this state. So what it's doing is preemptively carving out an exemption for one particular product if in the future sometime we actually approve a sales tax in this state. So it's a preemptive exemption for one specific category of product, which if, you know, I am actually a proponent of sales taxes, which will probably make a lot of people mad, but it's a visible tax that taxes spending rather than the invisible taxes you see on corporations that are built into the price of your products. I would much rather see a sales tax than a corporate income tax that's buried or value added tax that's buried in the price of the product and folks don't know they're paying taxes when they buy those products. So, you know, that's kind of a neither here nor there. But if you're going to have a sales tax, the best kind is a very broad one that applies on everything, but it's a very small percentage. And the, then the way you deal with the whole issue of taxing necessities on, and that poor people might be buying, rebate or prebate the level of tax that will be collected on somebody that's living at the poverty level to everybody. And that kind of deals with the um, regressive issues that people are concerned about. So Measure 103 that's proposing to preemptively exempt a specific product from a sales tax we haven't passed, to me is just a bad thing to wrap into our Constitution. If we ever do pass a sales tax, then we can have discussions on what it applies to, what level it is, or whatever else. But to preemptively you know, do this, it's, it's basically being put out there by the Grocers Association. Surprise. <laughs> and uh, it sounds great. Oh, we don't want tax on food. You know? But then you get into arguments. You know, what about soda? What about you know, a baby Ruth bar? You know, does it apply on a monster uh, energy drink? You know, is that food? <laughs> um, and as soon as you get into some of that where you're exempting one thing from a sales tax, you get arguments about what else is considered a necessity. And the next thing you know, people are spending lots of money to lobby the legislature to exempt their particular thing from a sales tax. It's just like how K Street in Washington, D.C., makes most of its money just trying to get one little piece of tax code written that'll help some industry avoid taxes. It, it, you know, as soon as you let that one thing be exempted from a tax, then there gets to be discussion about what else should be. And then there's lots of money being spent. It's being spent on campaigns of people that support exempting something, people that oppose exempting it. Um, and, and it just, you know, it's one of those things that brings a lot of money into politics, whereas if you just have a, you know, a very broad tax with no exemptions, there's nothing to contribute money to get exempted about. So it's like this is just bad tax policy in a lot of ways. It's a constitutional amendment. 
I really don't see why it's necessary. My guess is it will probably pass because the first thing people do when they read it is just ban on, on, ta on groceries, tax on groceries. Oh, that's, I don't want tax on groceries. I'll vote yes, you know, <laughs> which is why it got written the way it did. What's sad, though, is it's being connected with Measure 104, which has nothing to do with it. But there's a current ag campaign out there that's saying vote no on Measure 103 and 104. And it's one of the reasons why Robin talked me into doing this show is you'll hear interviews or statements from organizations about, you know, vote yes on this, vote no on, on that measure. They never tell you what the darn measure is. And why you should vote, you know, sometimes I'll give a brief why they should vote. But the ads I'm starting to see now that are vote no on, on measure 103, 104 are basically accurately describing measure 103 and lying about 104, you know, and trying to make it sound like 103 by association. Because 104 is not 103. 103 is clearly a preemptive ban to support a specific industry. So the, the no on 103-104 ads that talk about corporations trying to carve out special tax exemptions to, to benefit their industries, they're correct about 103. 104, though, is actually a measure that clarifies something that, uh, that we thought we had fixed in a previous um, measure, which was that in order to raise taxes in the state of Oregon, you have to have a supermajority of the legislature supporting that increased tax. Unfortunately, the legislative council and all that stuff has decided that the raising of, of revenue that eliminating a, a tax exemption or deduction is not an increase a raise a revenue raising that requires that three fifth vote. You know, it's really um, so the 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 measure one oh four is just adding a, a section to that part of the constitution that has that requirement for the three fifths majority that defines raising revenue. Clearly, so it, it includes any, you know, because basically the way the legislative council and the and the the super the current majority of the legislature and the governor, they're claiming raising revenue, which is what is actually stated, doesn't say raising taxes, only includes taxes. They're saying it doesn't include fee increases, it doesn't include um, elimination or modification or change in eligibility for any exemption, credit, deduction, or lower rate of taxation um, that is already in the tax code. And last year when they passed that bill that basically um, eliminated some of the um, eligibility for exemptions to disconnect from some of the decreases that would have been created by the um, the, uh, the tax bill that went through the federal Congress, um, that they did not consider raising revenue and passed it with less than the supermajorities that are required under Section 
25, Article 4 of the Oregon Constitution, which says, you know, for bills for raising revenue, they must have three-fifths of all members of each house. And uh, that that three-fifths requirement, they considered it, you know, they only considered raising revenue a tax-increasing bill or a new tax on something. So that was... Uh, you know, so these ads on 103 and 104 that connect the two and say that, you know, there's nothing about 104 that gives a specific exemption for a corporation. I mean, how does defining raising revenue the way it was meant benefit any single uh, corporation or entity? In fact, that what it's meant to, to do is benefit all taxpayers in Oregon. So these ads that are no on 103 and 104 are super deceptive. You know, I would agree with them, vote no on 103, because I just don't like amending our Constitution in that way, which is kind of where, you know, the previous amendment that, that is being amended by 104, we're having to go through a constitutional amendment to fix something that, that was being um misused it language-wise by the, the legislature. So that, that's kind of one of those things where it's like once you put something in the Constitution, then you got to come back and use a constitutional amendment to fix any, um, you know, discrepancies about it. 104 is a fix to a previous constitutional amendment. So that's, you know, when I get in, when I talk about you got to be careful about constitutional amendments, because we weren't careful with the original one, we're having to come back with 104. But 104 is one I support because it is just clarifying that raising revenue includes it includes things like fee increases. Just because you create a fee and you don't think that's a tax, it still raises revenue. That's why they're placing the fee there. Why they increase a fee is it's raising revenue. So they, that needs to be passed by a three-fifths majority if you're going to increase a fee. So, so far, I am no on 102 no on 103, and yes on 104 for those of you that are keeping score out there for the Bose Nose Show. But I'd be curious, you know, where you stand on some of these because we're just about to get into the two most controversial measures on the ballot. And folks are probably going to be surprised at where I stand on, on both of these. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, how people react to some of that. Um, and, of course, you know, mine are just recommendations. I strongly encourage folks to Google Oregon uh, ballot, Oregon Measure 102 or Oregon Measure 103. Go to the Ballotpedia result on that, on that search. And that's a fairly um, objective review of each of these measures. Uh, it'll tell you what exactly what the measure says, what it does. It'll 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 show you who's supporting the measure and why they're supporting it, who's against the measure, and why they're against it. And uh, and it, it'll it'll um, help you kind of understand, um, you know, beyond what I'm telling you today. But you know, just you know, the, one of the the. Bozovich rules of thumb, though, so if it's a constitutional amendment and it's iffy, it's a no. So 102 and 103 for me, they're a no. 
104 is about fixing a previous constitutional amendment. So it, it gets a yes, it's not iffy to me, and it's no way related to 103. So that brings us to probably the one that's getting the most press and is generating the most energy and anger and, and, and has actually generated some anger against me because I don't quite follow um, this the same way as some of the folks that are supportive of this measure that are normally supportive of me. So it's kind of made me um, an outcast in my own party, um, so to speak. But Measure 105 is the repeal of what people call our sanctuary state law. And what's interesting is it's about um, deleting an, um, a section of Oregon revised statutes, which is our state laws, uh, 181A820, which if you read and understand purely a prohibition on using local resources to enforce a federal law. It does not prohibit local governments from communicating with the federal government. It only prohibits them from using resources to actually enforce federal law. So uh, it's as you get into what was the definition of a sanctuary jurisdiction as defined by the Trump administration in their executive order on this issue back in, in 2017 when they issued those executive orders around this, their definition of what makes an, an area sanctuary jurisdiction is failure to communicate with the federal government once you have somebody in criminal custody, once you've made an arrest, they want you to communicate with ICE to determine if that person is also possibly in the country illegally. And it's just a communication requirement. It's not anything to do with going out and looking for people that are in this country illegally and trying to do anything to help enforce uh, what is a federal um, law and a federal responsibility to enforce. So, our, you know, the the, the I would I would have um, objected to the title on this as a as repealing the sanctuary state law, because that particular section of ORS doesn't qualify us as a sanctuary state. You know, so that's probably, you know. It doesn't get into things like, you know, if we pass this, it's going to start, you know, profiling or anything like that. It doesn't get into the issue of, you know, there are jurisdictions where judges are, are helping shuttle people out the back door of a courthouse because they know ICE was coming in the front door. That's a totally different issue. ORS 181A820 does not justify that action by those local judges. It in no way says that that's what they're supposed to do. So that that's just, you know, it's a, a misconception that that section of statute actually qualifies Oregon as sanctuary. What it does 
is it actually puts into statute something that I fully agree with, which is there should be no unfunded mandates on local government from higher governments. And I can point to that section of statute when people ask me why Lane County won't enforce Senate Bill 941, which was a requirement to, to uh, have background checks between private parties, but there was no funding provided to local governments to do any enforcement on that. So once again, you know, a state law that should be the state's responsibility to enforce unless they're gonna provide funding. You know, if the federal government gave Lane County money to enforce federal immigration law, and we chose to, we would not violate ORS 181-820. Because 181-820 only says you can't use state or local resources to enforce federal law. And I fully agree with the concept of you shouldn't be, you know, a, a government like the feds shouldn't be able to pass a mandate onto a, a state or local government without funding the impact of that mandate. So when I get to looking at Measure 105, for me, one, it's misguided because our that section of statute does not qualify Oregon as a sanctuary state under the executive order from the Trump administration. Two, that section of statute actually codifies the concept of an unfunded mandate. So for me, it's a no. And it has nothing to do with immigration. It has everything to do with the misperception that that creates a sanctuary state and the fact that it, it actually codifies the idea of unfunded mandates on beyond what our state constitution has in it. So I'm sure there are folks out there that, that disagree with me on that. And uh, I know that when I got into a conversation about this on a Republican discussion site, people were, were mad as hell that that was the take I was taking on this. But I provided uh, links to the executive orders, to the actual statute, and um, provided backup to all of that and it's true. That section of Oregon law does not, I, people keep saying we're a sanctuary state. We're not. We are not a sanctuary state by that section of ORS. So it's only when we, we refuse to communicate with the federal government that we get into the sanctuary issue because that gets into violating a section of U.S. code. And, there's all, and I could get into that specific U.S. code also. So I'm curious, you know, if folks out there disagree with me, they can give us a call at 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and that'll get you in on the Bose Nose Show. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. So I took a pretty controversial stand there for some people, um, on the, the probably the most controversial ballot measure in Oregon this year, why the phones aren't ringing off the hook, because I'm pretty sure there's someone that's going to disagree with me about that. But um, 
So far, if you go on the scorecard, it's three no's and one yes. <laughs> and, and that kind of is typical of, of, of what, when I look at ballot measures, they better better be pretty clear and needed um, if I'm going to vote yes on it. Uh, now that gets us down to measure 106, probably the second most controversial ballot measure on the Oregon ballot. And uh, one, you know, probably that doesn't have a strong reaction from me. Um, but it's a ban on public funds for abortions in this state. Um, but it is a constitutional amendment. So I'm kind of on the fence about this one. This is probably the one that I don't, I'm, I'm torn a little bit. I don't like the idea of using public funds for something that people have such a strong objection to. I mean, there are people that truly that that there's can make a good argument that abortion equates to homicide. And you know, I, I don't fully agree with that argument um, in the, in an early term. Um, I do agree in late term and trying to decide where that dividing line is is kind of tough for me. Um, and that also puts me at odds with some of my friends uh, at all because the folks that are pro-choice in all cases get mad at me about that. And the folks that are, are, are anti in all cases get mad at me about that. Um, and it's a lot longer conversation. But once again, we've got a constitutional amendment in front of us. And even though I don't like the idea of public funds being used for such a controversial practice, I don't know if it needs to be a constitutional amendment as the funding of them was done through statute, not through a constitutional, um, pro, you know, a, a constitutional amendment to allow that funding. So it's a simple matter of getting control of the legislature and changing the statute if this is what people desire rather than going through a amending and placing into our constitution this this specific um, prohibition. So I, I'm kind of edging towards a no, but I, I, you know, I, I still have this real desire that this is a misuse of public funds in some ways. Um, so I'm just really a little bit torn on this one. So uh, that's kind of where I where I stand. So that that's kind of my that's that's a maybe for me. So so far on Oregon measures, we're three no's, one yes, and a, uh, I might. It's going to take me a while to finish making my decision on that one, which uh, you know is is typical sometimes you get down to where you have to really weigh it and, it and kind of when I get down to particularly with a constitutional amendment and I am on the fence, I'm going to probably lean towards a no. So that's just, just how that all works. So um, that kind of get, gets the wrap of the Oregon measures. There is some county measures on our ballot this year. And uh, we'll get into those in just a minute on the Bo's Nose Show. I am going to ask Robin maybe to uh, vamp for me here for a second. I have got to step away from the microphone for about 30 seconds, if she doesn't mind. 
You there, Robin? I am. I am here with an echo in the background, but I'm here. <laughs> so he'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. If you'd like to, no, never mind. Now, one of the things that uh, I brought up to Jay earlier. Um, which kind of prompted today's topic, is when you are listening to the radio or you're listening to the argument and somebody's going, hey, you know, we should vote no on measure 1018, and you're going, and they encourage that, then you sit there scratching your head going, hey, that sounds, I should be concerned. What is it? I don't know. Nobody nobody would give you a summary saying that um, 1018 is related to X, Y, Z, and that's that's just one of my little bitching, bitching moans on the on this stuff, when they uh, have this conversation, really, especially when they have an in-depth five-minute conversation about something, you're still scratching your head going, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the presumption of knowledge there is, is bad. I'm sorry about that. I, I had to step away and get my puppy um, in, in his proper spot. <laughs> Elizabeth had to, <laughs> had to drop the dogs, and, and uh, it, the gate wasn't closed, so... It's one of those things. He can't be on the carpet. He's demonstrated his his, his undependability this morning for me. <laughs> ah, so so he has uh, yeah. failed. <laughs> he's he's yeah, just he's he failed, leaving. Failed. Uh, we tried to give him. A little, yeah, it's like a having a child. Out. You give him a little responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He left me a present <laughs> in, in my <laughs> office, no less. That's right, and that when do you normally find it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah, right so, before I was trying to get out of the house. Yeah. Exactly. Um, hey, yeah, what so, what's that number again, by the way? Just in case somebody wants to chime in. Yes, it is six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and just press one if you want to get in on the conversation. Again, six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and press one. And, uh, you know, I'm curious what other people are thinking about on these Oregon ballot measures. I'm certain that I probably surprised some people on Measure 105, and uh, probably my fence sitting on 106 has probably got people mad, too. Because I'm sure certain there are people out there, it's a definite yes, it's a definite no. <laughs> but, of course, I, I bring other aspects into it, like, is it good law and it's amending our constitution? Um, and is that is that the way to deal with this particular issue? Um, you know that and that that's really kind of where I get down to sometimes. But that gets us. You know, we covered those statewide ones, and if folks are are bored with that, we can move on to some a little bit more local here in Lane County. And and one of the things interesting things about the Lane County. The first thing that's on the ballot for our November election is is measure 2290, um, 20-290. Of course, and there's another one of those numbers people just keep throwing out there without connecting it. But it's it's for star voting, and and that star stands for score that automatic runoff voting. And it particularly is amending our charter, which is like doing a constitutional amendment for the county. Our charter is our constitution. So this is right 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 off raises a flag for 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 me. You know, it's got you know one of the Bozovich rule, if it's a if it's a constitutional amendment, which a charter amendment is, 
it gets extra scrutiny because it's the only way to change it through another constitutional amendment. <laughs> so it's amending our charter to require this style of voting that we've never had before in Lane County for county offices. Now, all county offices in Lane County are nonpartisan, which means anyone can put their name in the, in the, and everyone's voted on at the same time in the May election. And if you get a majority of the votes in the May election, 50% plus one, you, you're the only name on the ballot in November, and usually you go on to holding that office. If two people have less than 50%, um, but they're the, the, the top two vote getters of the, you know, seven or eight people that ran for that office, they go to a runoff in the fall. And that's just how Lane County elections work for everything from commissioner to sheriff to the district attorney um, to our um, justice of the peace. All of them would be run the same way. We don't have partisan elections. So one of the things about the score than automatic runoff voting was meant to do was to, to fix two things. It was meant to try and eliminate primary elections and get to one election, and two, to, lim to eliminate the issue of uh, last-minute third-party uh, style spoiler candidates. Somebody that lost a primary election maybe and switches party and runs to as a spoiler candidate um, and 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 that issue with with um, the general elections because it's being basically put out there uh, by Mark Frommeyer whose dad lost a governor's race because somebody lost a Republican primary to him and then turned around and ran as a third party and handed the election to the the Democrat at the time Barbara uh, uh, Roberts, I believe it was. Was that it? I can't remember who he lost to. Um, but it, it was just, you know, one of those issues, and that's what he's trying to fix with his score than automatic runoff voting. It's a somewhat complicated way to vote. You have to score candidates. It's about how the scores get distributed that creates this automatic runoff between the top two scores and can redistribute votes, um, which to me sort of gives people two bites at the apple in some ways, um, and it just, um, it only applies to county positions. So he's trying to cure something that's part of the partisan style uh, election system we have in this state in a nonpartisan set of um, races. So when it comes to, to and it's going to make the ballot a lot longer because the only way to make our current voting system work with this is instead of having um, each race, you know, and you, you, you fill in a little circle for each candidate, whichever candidate you prefer, you're going to have a candidate and then underneath that will be the score for that candidate and you'll score each candidate. So if there are eight candidates in the race, it'll look like there's eight separate races you're voting on. And as far as it'll make the ballot, you know, eight eight more decisions longer, um, and that and then how that gets counted and all that, um, we'll have to have some very specific software here in Lane County. Not terribly expensive, just a, a little bit added stuff, but it just creates um, 
a bit of a um, extra uh, piece of work for Lane County, and it's curing a problem that is really not present in nonpartisan local races. They kind of already have top two automatic runoff. Spoiler candidates don't really exist in county commissioner races. So, yeah, I, I'm not a real fan of this. And if he, I think the reason he's choosing to do a county charter amendment is it's the one place he, he thinks he can get it in and then demonstrate that it can kind of work and hoping to try and move it to a statewide initiative. Um, you know, if it, he needs to attack the partisan side somewhere. He either needs to find a county that runs their races that are by um, partisan um, positions, or he needs to find try and go for a state um, change in state law um, through the initiative process, not not our county charter for a nonpartisan set of races that doesn't have the issues he's trying to fix. And and you know, I think our our primary general election system uh, of our nonpartisan positions is perfectly fair and um, is not overly expensive. We're running elections in both dates anyway. We're not going to not have a May election if we pass this. But what it would do is push all eight candidates running for the November election and um, this automatic runoff and then determining um, somebody by the scoring method uh, at the November election with no 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 county primary elections. So kind of, you know, that one's a non-starter for me. Um, so once again, constitutional style amendment, it's our charter they're amending, which is our constitution. So unless it's really needed, clear, and necessary, it's almost always a no vote from, from the Bose nose show here. So now we're up to four no's, one yes, and a maybe. <laughs> as far if you're keeping score on the Bose nose show here, as we come to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. So I have a we question. We also have a bunch of. Sure. Uh, is that nose, uh, is that N O or. Um, K N O Z. Yeah, the, the Bose nose is 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 um, actually N O Z E, as in N O Z E N O Z. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want a clarification. <laughs> yeah, but but it seems like it it knows N O apostrophe S. Okay. <laughs> we're getting more nose than we are yeses. Um, which you know that's just kind of when you when you're going to mess with the constitution you got to have a darn good reason for messing with it and uh you know the most of these measures are, are constitutional amendments and uh I just can't see why there's only one constitutional amendment I'm supporting and it's because it's fixing a problem with a previous constitutional amendment which I supported the reason for which is, you know, it should not be easy to raise taxes. And just about half the states in the U.S. have some kind of supermajority requirement to raise taxes. In some of the states, it's a three-fourths majority 
75% to raise taxes in their legislatures. We're three-fifths, others are two-thirds. So we're actually on the lower end of that scale of the states that have that prohibition, have that supermajority requirement. So other ballot measures that are on the county ballot this time, most of them are local uh, money measures for various school districts, uh, park districts, uh, cities. Um, you know, there's a, a street bond in Springfield and there's a school bond for 4J, which is pretty huge. Um, so I, I'm not gonna go down each one of those local money measures because I think um, folks need to look at those carefully and make their determinations um, of whether they're gonna support them. I would say if it's a serial levy, it should be for operating um, expenses if it's a bond, it should be to buy something that has a longer lifespan than the bond amount. You know, so that's one of you know the two couple tests I would put on that. You shouldn't be using a a serial levy for um, you know purchasing a, a building because that's you know trying to finance something over five years. Uh, that's a pretty short-term financing for something with that long of a life. Um, and you can't, you shouldn't be taking bond money and doing any sort of operational funding or purchase of short-lifed equipment. So as you look at those various bond measures, look to see if they snuck in, you know, they may be constructing a new school with a bond measure, but are they also buying computers or, or doing any sort of other short-term purchases um, with that? You know, any, anything that should really be in the um, uh, materials and supplies portion of an operational budget instead of in the capital budget paid for by a bond. So as you look at those various money measures, that's kind of one of my test form is, is are they using their, their money correctly? <laughs> so... That's kind of the money side of the Bose Nose Show here, and and the the bond the uh, ballot measure side of the Bose Nose Show. We're going to change gears a little bit and kind of get into um, maybe late here about some of the things that happened in in the in in the board meeting on Tuesday, and some of the things that might be coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, in the area and just some of the things that have been in the news um, as we kind of close out the Bose Nose Show in the last 10 minutes. So at um, Tuesday's board meeting was, was kind of a lengthy board meeting. We, we ran you know, right up in the lunch hour in the morning and, and uh, had a, a long day in the afternoon with a lengthy public hearing on a very controversial uh, Rock Quarry up in the Oak Ridge area. Um, and basically yesterday wasn't a decision point. It was mostly to take testimony and the record's still open on that. So if folks have opinions about the Hazeldale Quarry on TV Butte in um, Oak Ridge, there's still opportunity to submit written comment for the next two weeks. Um, we held the record open for 14 days for additional testimony 
but it's it's a remand decision, which is kind of you know one of the interesting things about being a county commissioner is we do stuff that's land use that's quasi judicial. So, like a lot of stuff that deals with law and courts and, and judicial proceedings, is your testimony has to be to the specific issues that are being dealt with in the decision. And if you testify about something that doesn't is outside of that, it, it's just testimony with, that means nothing as far as informing our decision. And in this particular case, it was a remand from the state back to the county of a previous approval of the quarry on three specific issues, one of which is broken into five subcategories. So call it um, seven specific issues that they asked to have clarified. Um, by the by, the applicant, and then uh, relooked at by the local government before going back to the state to see if we've met the conditions of the remand. And uh, so, testimony really has to be to those seven specific issues. Um, and one of the things you you hear a lot is people want to go back to stuff that was already decided in the first decision that is not part of this remand. So. Um, I recommend folks take a look at what those seven specific issues are and um, address their written testimony to those seven specific issues and it'll be much more effective and better information for the Board of Commissioners to make their decision from. So always interesting in dealing with land use law as a commissioner because it does kind of make us almost a, almost in a judicial role, role um, which is kind of fascinating to me. But we also get into um, roles and oversight. And one of the things we did yesterday was we had a uh, performance audit report of Travel Lane County, um, which is part of our oversight of the granting we do of transient room taxes to Travel Lane County to do destination marketing for the entire county. And it was done by a firm that does these kind of audits nationwide and has audited small little destination marketing, you know, for, you know, small cities and small counties up to huge ones, you know, for entire states and, you know, LA County or something, you know, large areas. Um, and we got a really great uh, report card for Travel Lane County. In fact, he basically said Travel Lane rates right up there in his top three destination marketing organizations in the entire country. Um, so he, he was very complimentary of Travel Lane County, and it's well-deserved. Uh, it's, it's an organization that's doing a great job bringing tourism to Lane County and, and getting some return for those tax dollars on those hotel rooms and those Airbnb rooms and everything else that, and, and, and even campsites that pay transit room tax. Um, you know, if you've got an overnight stay, you should be collecting that transit room tax and that portion of it, uh, of Lane County's, um, part of 70% of Lane County's three cents, which is 2.1 cents, goes to travel Lane County in this grant system. And we got that audit report back as part of our, our responsibility to 
of oversight of the public money we're granting out. And uh, it was a really good audit report. And then immediately after that, we got their annual report for the last year, uh, fiscal year. And it was really surprisingly good because the uh, Olympic trials we got kind of by surprise in the previous year um, it were skewing the previous year's numbers. So they were expecting a downturn on a lot of the numbers. And there was actually an upturn in this year and an increase um, in all those numbers to where our um, uh, room tax collections set another record um, for another record year. We've, you know, just in almost every category, we're seeing um, a whole lot of um, really good numbers on the tourism front and, and the convention front. And in particularly, uh, we're doing great in some of our sports event marketing and bringing sports events to this um, county. And it's not just about um, track and field, uh, we're seeing, you know, soccer tournaments and softball tournaments and everything else coming here from uh, around the state and from uh, even in the regions um, coming to this area. So it's really, really kind of cool um, when you think about it. We've got everything from the sandboarding national competition down on the Florence Dunes <laughs> to, um, you know, all sorts of crazy things. I think there was even a table tennis uh, tournament that was held here in Lane County. So uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, and, you know, everything from, you know, the stuff you would normally think of, like uh, the, the wineries and, and uh, you know, fishing on the Mackenzie River uh, to riding the Oregon dunes, you know, they, they, they do all that marketed out to the, and the part that people don't realize is that also helps with our, our standard economic development where we're trying to bring employment and business activity into this county because the more people think of this place as a great place to have fun, becomes also a very attractive place to own and run a business and be an employee. So, um, it's kind of a, you know, it goes hand in hand with economic development. So it's really great to hear all that on Tuesday uh, at our meet, board meeting. About two minutes left in the Bose Nose Show. Still time to pick up a caller if you want to call at 646-721-9887. And just press one and you can tell me I'm wrong about any of those ballot measures on the state ballot, any of the local uh, ballot measures I talked about. Or, you know, let me know what you think about the quarry out there in Oak Ridge, or we can talk a little bit about Travel Lane County, uh, or anything you want to talk about here on Bo's Nose Show. Again, 646-721-9887. And with that last minute here, you know, Robin, I didn't have a, a what were they thinking this week, because I just didn't have one that, that jumped out at me. You have uh -huh. one for the week before we get off the air? <clears throat> Um, I have one that I don't know if I could discuss on the air. <laughs> it, no, I think I think you know the one I'm referring to. Okay, yeah. I don't think we can discuss that. One. Yeah, yeah. The, um, <laughs> it's amazing what people will the, and what an attorney will write a lawsuit for is all I've got to say uh, on that one. Um, but Robin sent me an article about somebody suing. Um, a cell phone company um, 
because they got a cell phone stuck somewhere they shouldn't have gotten it stuck. And I'll just and leave it at that. Think. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just will leave it at that and say, you know, how can a lawyer in any good conscience think the cell phone company is responsible for that? <laughs> oh, my. With that, I think we're gonna we we've really gone down the wrong track from the Bose Nose Show, but that just about wraps up the Bose Nose Show for this week. Thank you for your listening. Hopefully, I stimulated some thoughts about these ballot measures. We'll go back over that, you know, sometime really close to uh, ballot turning, especially November sixth. Um, one more time, but if we're real quick, 102, I had a no. 103, I had a no. 104, I had a yes. 105, I had a no. 106, I had a maybe that I'm on the fence about 106 right now, tilting towards no. So with that, and I did just what Robin hates, I only used the numbers and didn't tell you what they were for. Have a great week. We'll be back next week on the Bose No Show. <laughs> and uh, give us a call next week. And, you, know, you can always come back to what I talked about past shows because you control the conversation as we come to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Thank you for listening to the Bose Nose Show. Have a great week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.